0: This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as financial advice. All views expressed on this podcast are solely the opinions of the host and or any guests that we might have from time to time. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow a particular investing strategy. you sexy sat stackers and welcome to the Bitcoin bulletin podcast I was going to start off by saying a lot happened today but in the grand scheme of things a lot didn't really happen today. Uh, of course the Federal Reserve had their uh, their monthly their their uh, monthly meeting of the the FOMC where they announced as expected that they would be increasing interest rates by another 75 basis points and everybody freaked out. Which is really bizarre because for months, ever since their first 75 basis point hike, uh, the general consensus was they were going to do a couple of 75 BIPs hikes. They would continue that through now. And then in December, they would lower that to 50 basis points. And they would do a couple 50 basis points hikes and then kind of freeze the rate sometime next spring. Uh, and then take some time and assess and see what happened from there. And everybody was saying that that was already priced in, Um, but then people on the same, on the other hand, the same people, many of the same people were anticipating that the the Fed would pivot, uh, kind of giving conflicting narratives. But what we saw was what everybody said was gonna happen, what the Fed had been insisting they were gonna do all along, this shouldn't have been a surprise, and as the pundits were saying, this should have been baked in, this should have been priced in. Uh, so maybe there was some hopium out there. Maybe people were assuming that um, that with the elections coming up, there would be some pressure on the Fed to to curtail their interest rates a little bit there, or do a, a slightly smaller interest rate hike, which would maybe hopefully pump the stock markets. Um, but long and short of it, the Fed did exactly what the Fed said they were going to do. And markets tanked, and Bitcoin is down a bit as well, although not too bad. Um, And before we get into that, I guess let's take a quick look at the vital statistics. Unless I didn't already say it, today is Wednesday, November 2nd, and that makes it DCA Wednesday. At the time of this recording, we are at a Bitcoin block height of 761,450. And Bitcoin is currently ringing in at twenty thousand one hundred and sixty-five U.S. dollars, down um, about six hundred and fifty dollars from last Wednesday. At uh, but you know still above the nineteen thousand that it had been bobbing along at for several months. Along those lines, one dollar will get you four thousand nine hundred and fifty-nine Sats. And Bitcoin's market capitalization, of course, is down a little bit as well. It's currently uh, sitting at a market cap of 387.1 billion. That's down 2.1 billion from last Wednesday. Uh, And that's, you know, billions a lot of money. But when you start talking about market capitalization or government spending programs, all of a sudden, you know, 2.1 billion is not that much in the grand scheme of things. And that's still 20 billion more than we were. Two weeks ago, and uh, three episodes and four episodes ago, we were at about three hundred sixty-seven billion market cap. So, uh, Bitcoin is definitely still up from where it's been the last several months. Uh, although it's been, you know, as we've said repeatedly, it's been in that nineteen to twenty thousand dollar range pretty much since last June, and there it remains. So, while uh, there was a lot that happened today, you know, the more things change, the more things stay the same, and Bitcoin has appeared to be settling in. Uh, for a long, cold winter. Along those lines, if you want to trade your shiny metal rocks for Bitcoin, if you value your wealth in gold, it will currently cost you 12.4 ounces of the shiny yellow coins to buy just one Bitcoin. And if you value your wealth in oil, it will cost you 210.95 barrels of oil to purchase just one Bitcoin at a rate of 474,030 sats per barrel. And in Papa John's pizza terms, in Laszlo terms, one bitcoin will buy you 1,208 Papa John's pizzas, you know, down about 39 pizzas from last Wednesday, but still almost four years worth of one large pepperoni pizza a day for just one bitcoin. The mempool is jam-packed. There's Twelve blocks worth of uh, transactions currently in my mempool pending. However, uh, it is still estimating that one sat per byte transactions will still clear within a day. And most likely, what will happen is later this evening, uh, United States time, after Europe has gone to sleep and most of the United States has gone to sleep, that blockchain, uh, the mempool will probably clear out. All those transactions will get uh, will get written to a block. Um, But if you want to guarantee that your transaction is included in the next block, the fee estimator is estimating it will take a fee of 25 sats per byte to guarantee the next block. That's up from 19 sats per byte last week. Still nowhere near as expensive as we saw in 2017 when it could cost you up to $50 US dollars to get a transaction confirmed on chain. A lot has changed since then. Of course, we had Segwit come along and people were, in fact, spamming the network. You know, there was... uh, there was a lot going on uh with bit the bitcoin cash hard fork and uh and some other attacks people trying to jam up uh jam up the blockchain to prove a point um so uh like i said a lot has changed and i don't know if uh if we'll ever hopefully we'll never see fees get that ridiculous uh, of course one day when we if we do achieve hyper bitcoinization uh, and a bitcoin's worth a million or 10 million or whatever. That works out, too. Even one sat per byte um, would work out to, you know, a a hefty amount in U.S. dollar terms. But hopefully by then, most transactions will be on Lightning Network or a side chain or who knows where we'll be, you know, five, ten years from now. Uh, But the idea is uh, starting to look like one day the average person will be doing their smaller transactions on Lightning Network, for example, and pretty much only banks will be settling, you know, Federal Reserve banks, banks, corporations, and whales will be settling on chain. Um, and of course, if you're familiar with Lightning Network or, Network or not familiar with Lightning Network, uh, you don't even need to run your own node to take advantage of Lightning. Uh, you should use your own node. You should not, you know, use a custodial Lightning service. But um, either way, you can, if you if you run your own node, you can open up a channel with another node and leave that channel open indefinitely. And uh, only opening and closing that channel requires an on-chain transaction. So once the lightning channels are established in theory you could keep that channel open forever and pass satoshis back and forth uh, for practically free without ever incurring any on-chain mining fees and of course there are custodial solutions where you don't have to open any channels at all uh, and there are other um, solutions where you can have your own node uh, and you know and, and lease liquidity etc that's a topic for a different episode the point being um There's a lot of on-chain activity right now, but it's nowhere near as bad as we had seen in the past. And hopefully that'll be irrelevant anyway one day. And speaking of a lot of on-chain activity, actually looking at my favorite metric, the 24-hour transaction rate, it really doesn't look like a whole lot of activity. There's currently only 3.1 transactions per second on average over the last 24 hours. Of course, that metric probably saw a little bit of a spike after the FOMC meeting when Bitcoin's price dropped significantly, uh, which is probably why the mempool is jammed up right now and it wasn't jammed up earlier. That is down from last week's 3.41 transactions per second, proving my theory once again that anytime we've seen an average transaction rate of more than 3.14 transactions per second, Bitcoin has been doing well. And when it's below 3.14, Bitcoin has been weak. 3.1 is less than 3.14 and the price of Bitcoin is down But only down a little bit because 3.1 is close to 3.14. And usually, when Bitcoin is just nerfing, um, I've seen transaction rates in the 2.95, you know, under three transactions per second, definitely under 3.14 transactions per second. Again, that's nothing scientific. That's just purely an observation that I've made based on, um, basically, based on when I started this podcast going over the stats, looking at the different dashboards uh, and the different metrics out there. Uh, I started keeping track of a few of them, and that pattern started to emerge. And speaking of on-chain again, we are now about 598 blocks away from the next, we are exactly 598 blocks away to the next mining difficulty adjustment. Originally, that was looking like it was going to be on November 10th, but now it's looking like that's going to be on November 6th, and... As we're getting a lot closer, uh, it's looking like it's going to be less of a decrease in difficulty than it had been. You know, two weeks ago it was looking like uh, it was going to be a, an increase of anywhere of 3.8 to 4 percent, and then last week, the uh, depending where you got your data, it was looking like it was going to be a decrease of anywhere from one to almost five percent. And now both sources I'm looking at are pretty much in agreement. One of them saying it's going to be a decrease of 0.75%, and the other saying it's going to be a decrease of 0.80%. Um, so that is because blocks have smoothed out their average, and they're currently averaging 10 minutes and 4 seconds this difficulty epic, which is almost right on that 10-minute mark. Uh, and last week they were zooming in at 10 minutes and 28 seconds, or not zooming in, they were stretched out to 10 minutes and 28 seconds, which is why there was a much bigger Uh, difficulty decrease forecast. Two weeks ago, they were screaming in at 9 minutes and 37 seconds on average, and that's why there was the big uh, difficulty increase forecast. Obviously, as I've said the last several episodes, when you were two weeks away from difficulty adjustment, you know, a 1,000 blocks or 2,000 blocks away, um, you know, anything goes because who knows what the hash rate's going to look like. And again, that's why Satoshi chose 2016 blocks, because You know, there are chains out there that try and do more of an on-the-fly difficulty adjustment. And if that were the case with Bitcoin, well, last week we would have seen a decrease. But before that, we would have seen a huge increase the week before. Uh, Those increases and decreases would have been all over the place. Um, So every 2016 blocks has worked out pretty nicely for smoothing out those difficulty increases or decreases as this case may be. Well, as I alluded to, a lot has uh, happened today. Well, not really. As, I, <laughs> as I've also said, the Fed did not pivot, as some people were, were, were alluding to the fact they might possibly do. Although, honestly, even the people that were talking pivot now as this last meeting was getting closer and closer were saying that the pivot was going to be in December, that maybe this might be the last 75 basis point increase, which is what the Fed is saying anyway. Again, if I sound a little befuddled, uh, it's probably 50% because I'm a little tired and 50% because I am really befuddled listening to all these different talking heads, scratching their heads in bewilderment by why exactly what was supposed to happen today happened today. Who knew, right? So along those lines, um, the markets pretty much are some of them tanked harder than others. The Dow, for example, was down 1.55%. The S&P 500 is down 2.5%. NASDAQ is down 3.36%. Bitcoin is often correlated with NASDAQ because that's where the technology stocks are. And a lot of the people that are speculating in Bitcoin are the same people that are speculating in the tech stocks. But Bitcoin's only down 1.6% in the last 24 hours. So it's doing better than the NASDAQ, that's for sure. And if you just zoom out a tiny bit and just look at the last, you know, two weeks ago or three weeks ago, Bitcoin is still up. Of course, if you look at it the way I like to look at it, we're going to get more Sats today than we got last week, and that's freaking awesome. And while we're not going to get a hundred thousand Sats per twenty dollar investment, which which was really cool when we when we were, uh, the more stat the more Sats we can stack on the cheap, uh, the better. And um, looking back at the last having cycle. You know, we had the 2017 bull run where we hit the all time high in like December 2017 at just under $20,000. And then there was the quote unquote crash and Bitcoin dropped to the um, about $6,000 range. And ironically, Bitcoin kind of went sideways from June of 2018 to about November of 2018. Kind of like we've gone sideways from June of this year to, well, here we are in November. However, in 2018 in November, Bitcoin did one big final capitulation and crashed all the way down to about $3,300. That was largely attributed to the hash wars. At that point in time, not only did we have the Bitcoin cash shenanigans, but Bitcoin SV or ABC or whatever it was called at the time split off uh, and there was just, uh, there, were, there was a lot of strife and that, um, that caused some panic. In the normies that were getting into Bitcoin, and that led to uh, led to one more big capitulation, which arguably shouldn't or wouldn't have happened without that uh, catalyst. Either way, after it dropped to 3,300-ish, it went sideways again until about April of 2019, and then it slowly started its climb up towards the new all-time high, with the minor exception of the March 2020 crash. If you remember, something big happened in March 2020. They crashed all the markets. It crashed Bitcoin. Might have shut some of your businesses down and kept your kids from going to school. Um, And so that was certainly a black swan event. That was, um, you could arguably say that we would, that if that that shouldn't have happened, that we should have been climbing climbing out of the crypto winter from April on until the new all-time high. But either way, uh, Bitcoin recovered faster than all the other markets, and the rest is history. So why do I point this out? Well, there are some. You know, Bitcoin does tend to run in four-year cycles, and ironically enough, uh, here we are about four years um, from the about four years from 2018, from November of 2018, and a lot of people are expecting another big capitulation, and there could be. You know, who knows? There could be something major that comes along. We could see that big miner capitulation that people have been talking about with a lot of the big corporate mining companies. Uh, They're losing so much money and leverage so much, a lot of them financed all their ASICs, some of which they haven't even received yet, and they're bleeding a ton of cash. So there's been speculation that one or more of these huge mining companies might default, go bankrupt. We've seen some of their infrastructure-providing companies um, that support the mining companies file for bankruptcy, for example. And uh, if that happened, maybe that might cause a panic that might drop the market. Although, as a lot of people have pointed out, Um, A lot of the weak hands have already been shaken out. Uh, The hodlers, the plebs continue to stack. And so there might not be a whole lot of room left for another huge drop. You know, sometimes those drops are algorithm driven. Someone panics and sells and that drives the price down. And someone else's, you know, limit order triggers or someone gets margin called. uh, And that leads to a cascade event. And if there are not a lot of, speculators in the market, there's less room for that to happen. Who knows? Again, as I always say, I don't have a crystal ball and I don't know whether we're going to have one more capitulation or not. If we do, that's going to be freaking awesome because then, I mean, could you imagine if we dropped another 50% and Bitcoin was in the teens or even as low as $10,000? I'm selling a freaking kidney if Bitcoin hits $10,000. Line me up a doctor in China because I'm going to buy every, I'm going to back that truck up, sell everything I can and stack as many sats, as many sats as possible i'm working on the operating assumption that's not going to happen but either way because we're dollar cost averaging regardless of what bitcoin does we'll be here taking advantage of it and all that matters is that when bitcoin hits that next new all-time high and the next new all-time high after that that you have as many sets as you could possibly stack because was it last week i mentioned that you know four years from now people will be kicking themselves because uh they didn't buy more twenty thousand dollar bitcoin or four years from then, they'll be kicking themselves because you know they had an opportunity to buy at seventy thousand and and they didn't. Um, don't have that regret. You know the people right now that are kicking themselves that they didn't buy over under a, that they didn't buy it at that three thousand dollar level, or they didn't buy at the thousand dollar level, or the people that didn't buy in at a dollar. Uh, none of that matters. All that matters is that uh, you have the opportunity to stack now. So stack now. Don't have that regret in the future. One thing that does make this time different is the institutions are still out there increasing their Bitcoin infrastructure. You know, more and more companies are are, are exploring or building their offerings uh, to to uh, to institutional customers, etc. And uh, what that what that means is basically when the next bull run having kicks off, when the next the next having bull run kicks off, and the institutional FOMO kicks in, we people keep saying, you know, when's the institutional adoption going to occur? And the institutional adoption did occur and it is occurring, but the institutional FOMO didn't really happen. And that's because the last bull run, there wasn't really as much of an opportunity for the institutions to FOMO, but, you know, with Fidelity, digital, et cetera, um, more and more companies preparing to offer Bitcoin to their institutional clients or their high net worth investors when the next FOMO does kick off there will be a spigot for the uh, for those customers to siphon off of and you know wow i mean you know imagine imagine what that bull run could look like when you know when the when when millions of more people have the ability to dump big money into bitcoin everybody always says all the best work gets done during a bull run or during a bear market you know during the bull run it's all moon boys and you know when lambo and 100k till you know by conference day or 200k by conference day and laser eyes and it's fun. It's a lot of fun. It's definitely a lot more fun to look, you know, at your wallet and um, and see that your number is a lot higher than it is right now. But during the bear market, when all the hype disappears, when a lot of the scams drop off, you know, like during the during the previous having cycle, you had the ICOs. They were everywhere, and some of them looked really cool. You know, there were going to be robots doing eye surgery, not eye surgery. They're already robots doing eye surgery, but robots doing this, that, and the other thing. And everybody had some new ICO they were trying to raise money for, and of course, not almost none of them happened. I can't actually think of any off the top of my head that actually took that money and 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 built what they said they were going to build. They were all pretty much just scams. And then the last crypto winter washed them all out, and the IBI the uh, ICO went away. And uh, you know we're, we've definitely seen a thinning out of the shit coins uh, this bear market as well. And all that noise goes away, and then the people that are doing the hard work that are building things for us. That are improving the lightning network that are coming out with new bips to improve bitcoin uh bitcoin core you know they're they're getting some actual work done and uh and the things they're doing the tools they're giving us the the foundations they're laying down right now will contribute to the next uh the next bull market because bitcoin will be smoother better and exposed to more people uh, and that is why we're going to see this what i believe would be exponential uh, growth continue like it has every every you know every four years for the previous the previous four year cycles until one day we hit hyper Bitcoinization all right so uh, enough babbling because that seems to be what I'm doing right now and I do apologize but let's get to the reason why we're here and the reason why we're here is because today is DCA Wednesday and if you're not uh, if you're not super familiar with if you've never listened to the show before you don't know what DCA is, DCA is short for Dollar Cost Averaging, and Dollar Cost Averaging is an investment strategy where you invest your money in equal portions at regular intervals, regardless of price. For example, this is going to be our 67th stack. We started this uh, podcast back in July of 2021, and our first stack was on Wednesday, July 28th, 2021, and since then, we've been stacking $20 each and every Wednesday. And the reason I chose $20 is because for most of the people listening to this podcast, $20 $20 is not a whole lot of money. Uh, just today on Reddit, I saw somebody saying that they were, you know, I saw multiple people, one saying, hey, I'm only 15 or whatever, and the other saying, hey, I'm in between jobs, or, uh, or and people saying I only have, you know, $100 or I have a goal of, of having 0.1 Bitcoin in two years. Can I do that, you know, just a little bit at a time? And I wanted to be able to show, yes, you can. For example, uh, just twenty dollars a week and just over a year we've stacked you know over three over three million satoshis uh, so we are definitely a significant portion of the way onto to being uh and, and that you know that that ten million sat goal that the one person on Reddit was talking about but again, what's important is that um uh, you do you uh if you prefer, if twenty dollars is nothing to you if you, if you know you're the sort of person that would, that that invests $1,000 stacks or $10,000 at a time or $100,000 at a time, or you're going to go full on Michael Saylor and buy millions or billions at a time, you know, that's that's, uh, that's great. You know, do your own research, you do you, but we're keeping it simple and we're stacking just $20. And um, I just want to show that anybody can do it. And if anybody can do it at just $20 and $20, then you can do even more than uh, then you would hopefully do even better. And to do our stack, we're going to use the Cash App, as always. Cash App, if it is available to you and you don't already have it, uh, I think is one of the easiest ways to stack Bitcoin. It's not available everywhere, but if it is available where you are and you don't have it, we do have a referral code in the show notes. And if you click on that referral code and you use that link to sign up, you'll get 5 bucks free just for doing so, and we'll get 5 bucks too. So basically, you'll get free money and you'll help support the podcast at the same time. Uh, Cash App is not a sponsor of the show. Anybody that has a Cash App account has a referral code. So once you sign up for Cash App, you know, you can give your friends and family your customer referral code, and then you'll get five bucks when they sign up. Uh, but I digress. Do your own research just like you would when it comes to investing. Pick an app or a platform that you feel comfortable with that suits your needs. We're going to use Cash App. So I've got Cash App open, and I'm on the Bitcoin page, and I'm going to tap Buy Bitcoin. Tap $20, click confirm, and boom! Just like that, we bought another 97,270 Satoshis. Bitcoin's down a little bit more since I started talking. We purchased at a price of $20,098.72 per Bitcoin. So, still above $20,000, but a little bit lower than when we opened the show. And that is going to bring our stack up to 4,058,959 Sats. So, how's that for... uh, for just $20 a week, that's not too shabby. Perhaps more importantly, that's going to knock our average cost basis down by another $305 to $33,013.39. If Bitcoin stays where it's at or goes even lower, we're going to knock that average cost basis down by almost $1,200 in November, which will be really cool because, um, well, that's the point of the dollar cost averaging. You know, We started after the first new all-time high of the last run, Kind of in the dip in the summer, but then we stacked all the way up to that new all-time high, and now we're stacking the bear market. And in doing that, it's making our average purchase price lower and lower. Uh, none of which will matter when Bitcoin's a million dollars one day. But in the meantime, you know we are underwater on price, and the closer we get to uh, the current price of Bitcoin, the more comfortable that makes you feel, the happier it makes you feel, and the more uh, glorious it will feel when Bitcoin goes blasting past our average cost basis and sets that new all-time high. And along those lines, if Bitcoin does go to the moon and hits that $1 million price, $1 US dollar per coin price, uh, our stack would be worth $40,589.59. $40, and that would be one heck of a return. Uh, again, I don't have a crystal ball, but if you believe in Bitcoin like I believe in Bitcoin, basically I think it's an all-or-nothing thing. Bitcoin's either going to go to the moon or something's going to happen and it's going to fail. And every day that Bitcoin is still alive, every day that Bitcoin goes tick tock next block, every day, every day some company, some country like China can't kill Bitcoin. Every day Bitcoin is still here and getting better and stronger, the likelihood of it going to the moon versus going to zero gets more and more likely. Uh, of course, you know as they say, don't invest any money you can't afford to lose because you know there is an, a, there is like any investment there's not a you know there is a non-zero chance of something happening uh, but again I personally believe that every day that Bitcoin exists that likelihood decreases uh, the, the likelihood that Bitcoin will become the the world reserve currency or whatever you believe becomes more and more likely so if you depending what Platform you're listening at, you may have noticed there was possibly a commercial at the beginning of our episode. If you know, spot, we do host our podcast on Spotify, Spotify runs an ad at the beginning of our show. I do have the opportunity to decide where that ad goes, and I normally put it at the beginning because a lot of my favorite podcasts that's how they do it. They get their ad reads out of the way right at the beginning, and uh, you can choose to listen, or speed up, or skip, or whatever, uh, however you. However, you handle that. Personally, when I'm listening to a podcast, if they if they stick a mid-roll ad read in the you know, in halfway through the show or a third of the way through the show, I find that more annoying. But I'm curious what you think because I have some family members that were thinking that they didn't like hearing the ad at the beginning of the podcast when they would listen to my podcast. And I explained it to them. I said, um, "Well, you know, if it's going to be somewhere, I'd rather have it at the beginning." And they said, oh, that, that makes that makes, uh, that makes makes sense. But I want to know what you think. So as usual, please follow us on Twitter at at BTCBulletinPod. And let me know. What do you think about the ad read at the beginning? Uh, what do you think about the podcast in general? What do you like about the podcast? What do you not like about the podcast? Is there something you'd like me to discuss? A topic you'd like me to cover or a question you'd like me to answer for you? Uh, again, you can DM us or respond to one of our posts on Twitter at, at BTC Bulletin Pod, or you can email me directly, and my email is bitcoinbulletin at protonmail.com. I want to hear from you. Let me know what you think about that ad read, and uh, let me know what you think about the show. I did have a couple other notes on things I wanted to talk about. Um, for example, El Salvador President Nayib Bukele was on Tucker Carlson on Fox News or Fox Nation. I don't know if this is his old interview from, like, June or whenever he was on Tucker Carlson, but uh, I just saw the video for the first time, and a couple of people put it on Twitter in the last 24 hours or so. So I researched it, and Fox News had the clip up just a few hours ago or just yesterday, so uh, maybe it's new. But basically they're talking about uh, the things that are going on in the United States, and the reason why that um, rang, to why that appealed to me was... I've said this over and over again, that people keep saying the decisions that this country is making, all the money they're printing, the silly things they're doing, how could they be that stupid? I've seen that over and over again. And that that's my big pet peeve because you know, my belief is these people are not that stupid. It's a big deal to get yourself elected to Congress and especially to the Senate. Uh, these people have, they have every, I, they, they know exactly what they know exactly what they're doing. Um, you know, the most dangerous misinformation, and there's a lot of talk about misinformation, we had a senator out there saying that freedom of speech doesn't cover misinformation. Well, actually it does, but the most dangerous misinformation floating around is the belief that the people destroying the economy are doing it because they're idiots. They know exactly what they're doing. Most of these people have, you know, their their attorneys, and uh, there's Nobel Prize winning economists uh, that say, saying stupid things or things that seem stupid to us, but... You look at these elitist politicians and, and the, these economists and bankers are doing their bidding and they really look at you as you're, you're an idiot and they, they, you'll, you'll believe whatever they tell them. You know, you'll live in the pod, you'll eat the bugs. Uh, there's a certain spectrum in politics and it exists in the United States, it exists in Europe, Latin America, everywhere that wants to destroy the middle class. They want to control you and how they do that is they make everyone either very, very rich, and that would only be the few elite, the people in charge, the the, 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 the young economic, you know, the WF young leaders or, or whatever that was called, the global elitist, the Davos crowd. You know, they're very confident that they will be uh, sitting on their yachts and their private jets, regardless of what happens to the global economy. Uh, and the fact that the middle class is evaporating and that everyone's going to be poor is part of their grand scheme of things. And as far as inflation goes, the whole... Concept of the Fed having to tackle inflation is BS. As we've said multiple times, uh, having interest rates low is not what caused inflation. Printing a shit ton of new dollars and dumping them onto the economy is what caused inflation. Yeah, there are supply shocks, but there've always been supply shocks. You know, Joe Biden is not the first president of the United States to have you know bad things happen. You know, hurricanes and wars and things like that. Uh, but we're facing you know, a once in, you know, a generation or maybe even once in a hundred year style economic crisis. And, uh, and they built it on purpose. And part of it was because we've been kicking the can down the road more than my entire life. And I've always said, and many people smarter than I have always said, the only way the United States was going to get out of this debt that they were piling on top of themselves was either to default, which you knew they weren't going to do because that would destroy the U.S. dollar, or they were going to inflate it away. And by inflating it away, they're also strengthening the U.S. dollar and destroying other countries' currencies. You know, the whole dollar milkshake theory. So what they're doing, they're doing on purpose. And what Naib Bukele said on Tucker Carlson was along those lines. He said that the demise of the United States could only come from within. Basically, that the only way to destroy a country as big and rich and powerful as the United States was if it was, if it was destroyed by the people that, that govern it. He mentioned that the cities that were beautiful and pristine 30 years ago are now places that someone from El Salvador would be afraid to live in, saying, quote, this has to be designed. This has to be by design. Who would make so many stupid decisions? And that gets into what I was saying, is that they're not necessarily stupid decisions. It might be stupid to try and destroy the United States uh, from our perspective, but not from their perspective, because, you know, they're pushing for that that new world order that they used to talk about the, the great reset that they call it now and that involves you know it doesn't necessarily have to be a global government but, or a global cabal but it involves a lot of really poor people dependent on the government and doing everything that they say uh, and you know imposing their will on us little guys and and the, you know we call ourselves plebs affectionately but they refer to us as plebs as you know we're the parasites or so the deplorables and uh, they want to destroy you. And this is not an accident. And it is definitely not because they're stupid. They know what they're doing. And they're pretending they're stupid. Uh, you know, like, oh, we didn't know where this came from. We, we didn't see this coming. Bullshit. They saw it coming. They did this on purpose. Stack your stats because that's how we're going to get through this. All right. Well, I didn't want to end on a bummer, on a down note. Uh, and so I won't. Because this is not a down note. If you look at this the way I look at this, this is an opportunity. Bitcoin is on sale. Bitcoin is the cheapest it's been since the last, you know, since since before it went and set the new all-time high to buy, you know, to buy this low for this long. Bitcoin is giving you an opportunity to stack sats. The meme out there on Twitter that gets recirculated where it's got the boots and one says Bitcoin at, you know, 19K and nobody's lining up. And the other booth says Bitcoin at 69K and that's just a huge line around the corner because everyone wants to buy at 69 but nobody wants to buy at 20. That's just human nature. You know, that's just psychology. But what's also human nature is the pangs of regret, the kicking yourself you're going to do when Bitcoin is 100,000 or 200,000 or a million or 10 million and you had the opportunity to load up at 20,000. And even if it dips down to 14 or lower, before it goes skyrocketing up to a million dollars, none of that matters. I, I knew I knew friends that I tried to convince to get into Bitcoin before the last bull run, before it went up to 20,000 for the first time, when Bitcoin hadn't even breached 1,000 yet. And the first time anybody wants to tell you about, you know, how they know more than you do when you're an idiot, they always bring up the tulip bubble. And that's how you have a new, That's not, that's how you know you found a new, a newly minted, you know, anti-Bitcoin person as they bring up the tulip bubble. And uh, so I got mocked by one of my friends and he kept emailing me things about the tulip bubble. I'm like, dude, I know about tulip mania. First of all, if you do your research, the tulip mania is a big myth. Sure, tulip bulbs were expensive, but it, you know, people, average people getting completely wrecked. That, that never happened. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Bubbles don't typically reinflate. How many crashes do we have to go through before people finally get it? Because if Bitcoin had been a bubble, that bubble popped and then it went to 69,000. So um, I just, a lot of people, unfortunately, have learned to just keep their mouths shut and stop, stop talking to their friends about Bitcoin because they don't want to get mocked or they don't want to be the ones that get blamed when their friends do buy in. And unfortunately, they wait and buy that all-time high. Um, but circling back. Had that person been one of the people that bought at seventeen thousand, um, and then felt really burned when Bitcoin went down to six thousand, well, remember it soared back up to sixty nine thousand, and it's going to do that again, because as our friend Tech Balt Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, likes to likes to say, you know, Bitcoin always has It's Bitcoin always returns to its new all time high. We're one day closer to new all time high. The two hundred and ten thousand block theory of his says that if you take any day in history. And you go back four years, Bitcoin is worth more now than it was four years ago. Uh, And by extension, Bitcoin will be worth more four years from now than it is today. Uh, Just stack those stats. And hopefully, uh, listening to this podcast will help you uh, at least provide some entertainment value, but help you form uh, a basis of knowledge that you can use to make your own opinions and make your own decisions. And hopefully that decision will lead you to stacking those sats and that when we do hit hyperbitcoinization, bitcoinization uh, we can all get together and visit each other in our citadels. Again, please reach out to us on Twitter, we're at Pod on Twitter, or send me an email at BitcoinBulletin at ProtonMail.com. But until then, do not forget to join us next Wednesday and every Wednesday for our DCA episodes. And until then, keep on stacking those sats, you sexy sat stackers.